worship the Lord in the splendor of his holiness. The voice of the Lord is over the waters. The God of glory thunders. The Lord thunders over the mighty waters. The voice of the Lord is powerful. The voice of the Lord is majestic. The voice of the Lord breaks the cedars. The Lord breaks in pieces the cedars of Lebanon. He makes Lebanon skip like a calf, Sarion like a young wild ox. The voice of the Lord strikes with flashes of lightning. The voice of the Lord shakes the desert. The Lord shakes the desert of Kadash. The voice of the Lord twists the oaks and strips the forest bare. And in his temple all cry, Glory! The Lord sits enthroned over the flood. The Lord is enthroned as king forever. The Lord gives strength to his people. The Lord blesses his people with peace. Thank you. Andrew, if you want to go and read Psalm 30 through us, please. Psalm 30. I will exalt you, O Lord, for you lifted me out of the depths and did not let my enemies gloat over me. O Lord my God, I called to you for help and you healed me. O Lord, you brought me up from the grave. You spared me from going down into the pit. Sing to the Lord, you saints of his. Praise his holy name. For his anger lasts only a moment, but his favour lasts a lifetime. Weeping may remain for a night, but rejoicing comes in the morning. When I felt secure, I said, I shall never be shaken. O Lord, when you favoured me, you made my mountain stand firm. But when you hid your face, I was dismayed. To you, O Lord, I called. To the Lord I cried for mercy. What gain is there in my destruction, in my going down into the pit? Will the dust praise you? Will it proclaim your faithfulness? Hear, O Lord, and be merciful to me. O Lord, be my help. You turn my wailing into dancing. You remove my sackcloth and close me with joy, that my heart may sing to you and not be silent. O Lord my God, I will give you thanks forever. Thank you very much, both of those readings. All right, would you like to come and talk to us, John? Good morning, brothers and sisters and dear friends. Pleasure to be with you. I'm quite pleased it's the beginning of a new year because the past year to me was actually quite challenging. Many, many ups and downs. I started the year with two or three weeks B&B in a Wigan hospital and then I had a number of sadnesses with friends and family and some tragic deaths and various other things. And of course, most of you know, dear Angela and I are endeavouring to move house and downscale our house which has been quite a lot of hard work, a lot of decluttering and uh, different things, and it's all up and down. Now, I'm not mentioning any of this because I want to seek sympathy, although if it's free of charge, I don't mind a bit. <laughs> if it's free of charge, I don't mind a bit. I'm not mentioning that. I'm just mentioning that because probably we all have similar ups and downs in life, challenging issues, 
which can bring stress and difficulties and sadness in so many ways. But I'm saying this to remind us and that I'm glad to say that I found because things did get me down, it made me focus on the beauty of why we are here this morning. It, it made me focus and consider the value of what we have come to remember, how we are helped and blessed by the Almighty God, and how what we are thinking about this morning and remembering is the most valuable factors of events, past, present, and even in the future, for the whole of human life and history. And I think it's very interesting to bear that in mind. So whatever we are going through now, and or maybe in the future, there is nothing more capable than the facts and details of this to encourage and build us up. There's nothing more useful. In fact, because of dear Mike's introduction, I really feel that coming here this morning and remembering the things that we are thinking about is more valuable to us than going into the Bank of England with a wheelbarrow. Uh, unless, of course, you don't have an account there. So it's, it's, it's beyond the value of anything that we can place our thoughts upon. And um, I'm always very interested in what words can introduce and add up to. And I, I often think with the words on this book here, NIV, to me it stands for, amongst other things, notably incredibly valuable. Notably, incredibly valuable because the contents of this, the information, the facts and the advice of this can and will always be the most valuable thing in our lives. Provided we have faith, belief and humility and the wisdom to accept and believe it. Believe it. And as I said before, it's the most beautiful thing in the whole of human history to do with the past, the present and the future. And even the one before this, the AV, I also see that as standing for amazingly valuable. Amazingly valuable to us if we accept its contents, its guidance, its strength and its belief and have the wisdom to follow it, so much so. And of course, brothers and sisters, this isn't merely a book. And before you think I should go to Specsavers, what I mean by that is the format to us is a book, but this is a content of the words and the voice of God. This is the voice of God is speaking to us. The voice of Jesus is speaking to us. And also the men and women who the Lord spoke to, the prophets and the apostles, they're speaking to us. So much so that I almost feel that when I look at it, I'm doing my listening rather than my readings. And I try to... I try to, it makes me feel so real that frankly, even when Daniel is talking to me, last time I read from Daniel, I felt actually that uh, after he came back from the lion's den, I had a word with him. And I said, what was it like, my friend? Because apparently, according to history, they were sent to a den which had nine hungry lions in it. Nine hungry lions. And I, I said to him, well, did, were there any cubs? Did you tickle their ears and have a bit of fun with the cubs? Yes, he said, it was quite okay, it was safe. So I'm not saying that, but I'm just, I'm, for fun, I'm just saying it because to me I feel the whole thing is so real. It's not just a book, it's, it's the voice of God is speaking to us powerfully 
and usefully and giving us help and strength and guidance. And you read, we read that psalm together just now, that psalm 29, all these lovely verses. The voice of the Lord is over the waters. The God of glory thunders. The Lord thunders over the mighty waters. The voice of the Lord is powerful. The voice of the Lord is majestic. The voice of the Lord breaks the cedars. The Lord breaks the cedars. And so the voice of the Lord is so powerful to us, brothers and sisters, and I wish it was more powerful to this this actual world in which we're living in, but maybe it should be and maybe perhaps it isn't, but there it is. So, um, with these first few words this morning, I don't want to sound negative, uh, but so much information is spread throughout the modern world that we are living in that we may all be facing, we may all be facing issues at the present time, challenging difficulties in our life, and even if they're not with us at the present time, there may well be issues which will be ahead of us. And therefore, it's much more helpful and powerful and valuable to be strengthened by the potential of why we're here and what is ahead of us and how we can be brought through and lifted out of our many, many difficulties and challenges. So much so that perhaps it's our weakness that sometimes gets us down. I'm not questioning you because none of us are perfect. And I'm certainly not perfect. I'm just training. I'm just training to be. But... Um, I remember going to a business seminar many years ago trying to encourage us and the man said to us that he says you are where you are at this time because you choose to be. I was a bit irritated by that because I was at that time I had been through many sad losses and stresses and difficulties in life which I'd had no control over. And when he was saying to me you're here where you are because you choose to be I got a bit irritated and I had a word with him after we talked quite interestingly about it. But it was very valuable and worthwhile because his point was that if you decide to stay affected by your difficulties and stresses and if you decide to be down, then you choose to be down. But if you are willing to consider the beauty of what you can do and the valuable of growing out of your difficulties, it is so well worthwhile and you can learn to cope with many, many difficulties and challenges of life. And I think us in particular, brothers and sisters, have got many, many good reasons why we do work on our difficulties and challenges and don't allow ourselves to get pushed down and negative. Yes, we will have to have the strength to overcome things and build them up. I agree with that, but we're better if we learn to be better with what we're, what we're doing and um, get on with it. So, a little while ago, we went to Yorkshire to meet dear Angela's brother. He's not in the meeting, but her brother. And he's been through some difficult challenges. But I was in his house, walking about, and he had a little poem written on the wall. And I read that, and I quite liked the words. And perhaps it was one of the things that helped me to consider pondering what I'm talking about this morning. And the poem said this, I get my notes right. The poem said this. Life isn't about waiting for the storm to pass, but it's about learning to dance in the rain. And I quite like that. I thought, yes, he's probably right. And I hope, I'm not sure he read it enough times because he was a bit down, but maybe he had to learn to overcome things and none of, none of us are perfect, as I said. 
And I think these words have a spiritual help to us. Life isn't about waiting for the storm to pass. It's about learning to dance in the rain. And I do think they have a spiritual help and value to us. In fact, did you remember a few words in that Psalm 30? where David says, Hear, O Lord, and be merciful to me. O Lord, be my help. You turn my wailing into dancing. You remove my sackcloth and clothe me with joy, that my heart may sing to you and not be silent. O Lord my God, I will give you thanks forever. So it looks as if even David started to dance in the rain and had pressure because he trusted in God, respected God, with all his challenges and problems and difficulties, he got over them. And we can be the same, brothers and sisters. We can, if we take this to heart and build on it, I'm not saying you don't do that, by the way, but I'm, when you have to do an exhortation, you usually talk to yourself first. Well, I always talk to myself first and then endeavor to share it with other brothers and sisters because in many ways we're, we've got similar aspects. So I quite like that. So I think that the spiritual value and help of these, these words uh, can help us overcome challenges and stress. And I almost see that our life accepting the difficulties of human life, but the blessing of God's word to us, I see it as going to a spiritual gym. I don't go to a gym. Many, Some of you may go to a gym, but there's all sorts of exercises in that gym, aren't there? And some of them affect your feet, your legs, your knees, your arms, your chest, I suppose. I, I'm not an expert because I don't go there. But I think that if we can train ourselves listening to the word of God and accept the difficulties of life, but the blessings God give us, they are training us in a type of spiritual gym to help us overcome our difficulties and become stronger in our life and style. And of course, what we have come to think about this morning and to remember this morning is so valuable, spiritually valuable and help us so much that going back to Mike's introducing thoughts, I feel that we are, because of what we have come to remember and value, brothers and sisters, we are spiritual billionaires. We are spiritually and potential billionaires in faith and belief and work. It's that valuable. It's without measurement in its value. It can build us up hugely and get us over many, many, many of our challenges and difficulties. Uh, but of course it's up to us to accept its value and to build on um, these values with our faith. And our confidence in dealing with challenge and stress, I think, are revealed in um, this book, which in itself is a miracle. We are surrounded by many, many miraculous things in life. We accept that God grants us peace and understanding but I don't think people in ourselves, we shouldn't take things for granted because we are surrounded by the presence of God. There's none here now, but even, even a glass of water is a miracle. If you ask people where water comes from, they say, it comes out of a tap. But actually, it's, it, we can't make water. In fact, many years ago, I did a, I did a course at Gloucestershire Agricultural College and there was a man who gave us talks on, on, on chemicals, on fertilizer and weed killers. And he said at the end of the talk, anybody got any questions? I put my hand up. He said, yes, Brand. 
So I said, sir, I said, could you explain, please, how two gases of, two atoms of one gas and one atom of another gas make a liquid called water? Brandy said, if I knew the answer to that, I wouldn't be here talking to you lot. And he walked off and that was it. But, but it, it is, it's an amazing, it's an amazing thing that just, that the water we're surrounded with, it's a, it's a wonderful creation of God. And dear Angela's son-in-law's got, he's a farmer of a thousand acres and grows sprouts and all sorts of things. He might sow the seed in the ground, brothers and sisters, but if, if the creation of God's power miracle didn't make the seed grow, the sprouts wouldn't grow. So we, we, I'm not saying we do, but we shouldn't take things for granted. But I think we are living in a world which takes so much for granted, they ignore the beauty and presence of a creator who not only made us and brought us here, but also gives us energy and sustains us. And, of course, has got a promised beautiful future called eternity ahead of those who expect, respect him, believe in him and trust in him. And so not only valuable in this life, it's also valuable in the years to come of us. Now, I'm not saying in, in some shape or form that material wealth doesn't have a certain value. I think perhaps, well, I'm not a big expert on material wealth. As far as I'm concerned, the wallet that God has given us is huge. The wallet God's given us is full of value and potential things, but my wallet gets quite empty quite quickly. So uh, I, I, I believe in the usefulness of the beauty of God's wallet because it's so, so full. So I think material value is potentially helpful, but on the other hand, I, I did have a friend I had a friend recently, well, some time ago, who had a colleague he used to play golf with, and he was a very successful businessman. He was very successful, and he sold his business, and he had several million pounds in the bank. Fifteen, sixteen million pounds in the bank, and sadly he caught an illness. I don't know what the illness was, cancer what. He caught an illness, and his money wouldn't do anything to help him. And he became depressed and frustrated because even though he had millions of pounds in the bank, it could do nothing to help him. And sadly, in the end, he passed away and died with frustration, disappointment and depression. That's very kind of you. Thank you very much. Where did that come from? You haven't just made it out there, have you? I do like water. It's very lovely stuff. Apparently, we made 60-70% of that, aren't we? But... um, so they tell us. So this, I'm, I'm mentioning this this man because with all his millions millions of money, it didn't do anything to help him. In fact, his wealth got him down, depressed him because it wouldn't get him better. And so, brothers and sisters, we have something. We are connected. The value of what we are here to remember today, and the value that this teaches us, does can bring us out. Yet we know we're mortal, we know it won't necessarily get rid of necessarily killing diseases, but that's not the issue, is it? That's not important, but it can get us over other issues, very other things we can deal with and strengthen ourselves and build ourselves up and build on the true value that we have. Because, in fact, mortal life, our life, 
compared to the promise that God has made us and that the resurrection of Jesus proves is capable, the promise of eternity, mortal life, is not even a trillionth of a minute or a second. So it's very, very, very short. And of course, doesn't come alone, does it? I'm a bit different now than what I used to be 45, 50 years ago, apparently. So it does, so we, it all changes, but what we've been promised to, the eternal power, and I just want to say something which I know I have shared with quite a few of you, very patient, nice brothers and sisters who listen to my conversation. I actually view, if I have said this before to some of you, forgive me please for repeating it, but I view, brothers and sisters, to us, even death is catching up on lost sleep. It's, I know it's sad when we lose friends and family, but if we accept the fact that if they have a faith and are blessed by God, and what we come to remember and believe in, death is catching up on lost sleep. Because when you go to bed at night, and you might be in bed for eight hours, when you wake up in the morning and look at a clock and a calendar, you don't know whether it's been eight days, eight weeks, eight months or eight years. We have no idea. And God willing, I hope I'm blessed enough to have a word to Abraham one day and say, you've had a good sleep, mate. Well, I know, I, I did. I was about tired, actually, while the work I had to do. Well, I just feel that if we have, it's not humorous faith, if we have a realistic faith and we can cope with the challenges of this life, we're not here for long. And I believe the real life that God created and intended is still yet to come, brothers and sisters, and we heard his calling to us to enter into the belief and faith in that. And I'm so pleased he allowed us to hear it and to follow it. And although we're living in, I think, a very, dear Mike said when he started, we're living in a very material world. In fact, even if, even if they put a hundred million pound in Richard Branson's coffin, he won't even spend 10p. It's like that. We have but God willing, we will have so much ahead of us. It's immeasurable and it's so valuable that it should give us the strength, the confidence, the faith and the encouragement to, to make our way through things and to share it with a number of other people. I sometimes do my best to share this with other people, but because they haven't gone far enough in their faith and their belief, they don't necessarily know what actually I'm thinking about. So, a little while ago, a few weeks ago, we were reading from the book of Judges and the book of Hebrew, Hebrews. And we're in the book of Hebrews, chapter 11, we are commended by a number of characters. And there's one in particular who I find of special interest. And it's our friend, Samson. And I always, I always see some aspects in the life of Samson which are very typical of human experience. And... Uh, typical of the example we have with uh, our relationship with Jesus and God. Now, Samson had a miraculous birth, and he had a spiritual relationship with God as a child and a man, and God blessed him with physical strength. In fact, I think if he shook our hand, we'd certainly know it was Samson. He had a very strong grip, but uh, he was a very strong man. And with his physical strength, he did use it as a judge over Israel to oppress the Philistines. But what I find 
useful in terms of examples um, is that beneath Samson's blessing, why I find it useful studying Samson, that beneath his, beneath his blessings from God, there was always the ongoing human desire and human choices which he allowed to provoke him. And we are people all a bit the same, can't we? we? Yes, we come here, we have faith, we have belief, but we also have every day human desires, human provocations and human challenges. And poor Samson allowed them, I think, to overcome him. And it was rather sad in some respects because they became typical of his attitude and his desires and behavior. But bearing in mind these records, uh, I don't think they're only written words or stories, but they are a voice teaching us many, many things. And in the, um, in fact, they are voices talking to us. And in that chapter from Hebrews 11, it does say, By faith Abel offered God a better sacrifice than Cain did, but by faith he was commended as a righteous man when God spoke well of his offerings, and by faith he still speaks to us even though he is dead. So even, even Abel is speaking to us though he's dead because of the record of his life and his behavior. And then the book goes on to talk about Samson. And so with Samson, I think God's blessings uh, supported him in many dramatic ways. But from the world, he had challenges and losses, and he seemed to let his desires for worldly pleasure overtake him. And in the end, of course, he paid a sad and brutal price for it from the world, which... Uh, didn't in the end spoil his his faith and greatness, I think. So with Samson, I'm sure you might know he married and he lost his wife, they took her away, and then he met the prostitute, and then he met Delilah, and Delilah's lust I'm quoting Samson because I think in a way, if we can bear it in mind, we can apply the way his life what life behaved, perhaps if we are honest with ourselves and the most difficult person in the world to be honest with is yourself, very often to be humble and admitting our own weaknesses. And so Samson moved on, and um, sadly, Delilah's lust for money started to tempt him. And she said, where's your strength come from? As you probably remember, first of all, he said, well, if you tie me up with, with fresh thongs, you'll weaken me. But it didn't because he broke them and killed the Philistines. We got rid of the Philistines. And then he said, no, tie me up with new rope and that will affect me. And then she kept saying to him, no, Samson, you're not listening to me. You don't love me. You're not bothering. But it goes to show how his temptation, I think, got through to him admitting his weak, his, his faith, really. He gave up on his faith, sadly, because he then said, as you probably remember, well, if you, if you tie these seven locks of my hair to a beam, I won't be able to move. And, of course, he did. But it was his hair. He was getting gradually his, his desire, his provocation, maybe his bit of a lust, was getting him down. He allowed his worldly human weaknesses to devalue his faith in God. I'm not trying to be critical of brothers and sisters, but perhaps we can sadly let this happen, happen to us. Maybe we can allow this to affect us sometimes and there will be a price to pay, sadly. And then, of course, 
She said, oh, you're lying to me. And then he went from telling her about the seven locks of his hair and saying about, well, I've never had my hair cut because I'm a Nazarene, Nazarite, and I've never had any drink. And then he had his hair cut and his strength went. So I think Samson's life and example and the record of him to us is a great lesson to how we, if we can be frankly and honest with ourselves, we can overcome our weaknesses and confess that we are allowing these challenges and these uh, attractions to sometimes get us down and miss the point of our faith and our trust in God and lose the value of what we are. And so, of course, poor Samson was then taken away, and you probably know, they blinded him, put his eyes out, and they tied him to that uh, grinding stone. And instead of killing the Philistines, he spent all his time, his life, however long it lasted, grinding the corn down to feed them. So instead of killing them, he was now keeping them alive. It must have frustrated him. But the one, one great example I feel with Samson is, with all his sadnesses, his losses, his pain, his difficulties, he still remembered the beauty of God, his saviour, and how God would help him. He didn't let it in the end. He overcame his weaknesses. He allowed his, his lust, his pride, his greed, his arrogance, he allowed all that to go away and he rebuilt his faith. And of course his hair grew back. I'm not sure that it was, in fact, my grandfather, I think he knew a bit about he wasn't a Christadelphian, but I think he knew a bit about the Bible. My grandfather always used to say that if you had your hair cut too short, you were always weak and lose your strength. I thought, well, he died before I ever knew him, by the way. My mother told me that. And I just thought, perhaps he thinks that your strength is in your hair. I think Samson's strength was in his faith. It was in his faith. And maybe that's really what grew back. He didn't let his weakness, his suffering, he didn't allow the brutality and the awfulness of the world to get him down, brothers and sisters. He wasn't attracted by their wealth, their arrogance, their vanity, or their cruelty. He didn't allow it to get him down. He allowed his faith to build him up. And so, of course, his strength came back, and then that one day they took him into a sport arena to have some sport with him, and they wanted to be cruel to him. I'm sure most of you know the story, but I will finish it. And then he said to this, because he was blind, he couldn't see where he was going. He, he I think he must have realized, because of his faith had built up, it overcame his sadnesses, his losses, and his difficulties. His faith built up, and he said to the little boy that led him about, he said, oh, can I have a rest with the pillars, please? Can you show me where the pillars are? I want to have a rest. And so he went to the pillars of the temple and he would have perhaps realized that the strongest community of the Philistines were in that theater or that arena. The captains, the military men, probably the politicians if they had them, the leaders of the Philistines were there. And Samson probably thought, right, I can now get rid of these vain idolatry-worshipping people if I push these two pillars out, it'll bring it down, it'll kill all them, and he also knew it would kill him. It was a type of sacrifice, but his faith came back. He trusted in God, prayed to the Lord God, pushed the pillars down, it killed, the temple collapsed, and I think he killed more men at the end of his life than he did during his life. 
So I do believe, brothers and sisters, that I'm sure that, that uh, if, if we can take this with us, accept that we're not as strong as Samson, I accept that, but our faith is the same as Samson's, it's exactly the same, it's the same God, the same belief, the same wonderful things can build us up and strengthen us with all our difficulties, our challenges, sometimes through our greed, our arrogance and our vanity, I'm not trying to be that critical of you, I'm not saying that, please, please don't think that, I'm probably talking about me when I'm just presuming you might be a bit the same. But sometimes all that might be pleasure for, for a few few moments, but it will there will be a price to pay later. In Samson's case it was a huge price to pay, but he didn't allow it he didn't allow the price he had to pay to get him down and forget God. He got back, he got rid of these Philistines and of course even though he died as well if you read on, his fathers and brothers, when they came back to the collapsed temple, they did find him and bury him and took him away. Of course, he was, he was dead there and gone there. So, I think it was very interesting. So, I hope that the circumstances of any type of challenge in our life, brothers and sisters, our disappointments, our losses, our uh, problems, uh, will not get us down and we can all always call to mind why who we are, why we're here, what we're going through and what is ahead of us. Like I said just now, life is so short, there's something way ahead of us uh, and I think it'll be wonderful. And it will teach us to be to be helped and built up by the value of what God has called us into and we can do our best to copy the faith of other people in the past and do many, many things. So much so that I sometimes... Yeah, move on. I sometimes see mortal life... In fact, I often see my life, mortal life, as an apprenticeship. I think it's a bit like an apprenticeship. When you want to go to a career or a job, they send you to an apprenticeship, they train you, maybe you don't know much about it, you have difficulties, you have to learn stuff, you have ups and downs, and then when you're qualified you get the job. And I think this life's a bit like that, brothers and sisters. We're being trained, we're being qualified, we're being worked on, and being strengthened to overcome our difficulties and our challenges. And I think that the modern world in which we live, which is blessed in some ways, at least we're not living in Syria, we're not in Auschwitz, we've got a lot of blessings to be thankful for, but sometimes, rather like dear Samson, he had a lot of blessings, but sadly he went towards them and he paid the price, but he did come out of them. And I think if we can build our faith up constantly, accept that when we've finished our apprenticeship, God willing, there will be a perfect eternal life at the end of it, when the beautiful Jesus we remember today comes back and sorts things out. And um, so, we have come to remember Jesus. I know I've quoted... Abel, and I've quoted Samson and all that, but when we think about the, what we are about to remember, brothers and sisters, the Lord Jesus is the most greatest example of power, faith, and strength, and humility. And his life was, came to reveal God to us. And the very demonstration of his life proved God to us. Because Jesus had the very power. He could have called on that many angels. I think it was... 72,000 angels, and it only took two or three to kill a few thousand Assyrians. 
Jesus could have called upon so many angels to destroy Pilate and the Roman Empire. He could have killed all the people that spat at him, smacked him in the face, tortured him. He could have got rid of them all, but he didn't do it because he knows he was trying to prove to us his faith in God. He wasn't wanting to use his power, his strength in his selfishness, getting away with his own selfishness. He was proving to us. He wanted to reveal God to us and show character and strength. And of course, in the end, he was, three days later, he was resurrected. So we are remembering him. And we are going to be thankful for that. And I'm sure not only thankful today, but thankful every day of our life, what we've been promised to and what there will be. And so, just like the promise we're looking forward to, just a few words from the book of Revelation, which the Apostle John saw, and he is telling us what he saw, and God, who is the controller of time, God can move in the past, the present, and the future, showed the Apostle John what was about to come, and I think the most confident, wonderful thing, brothers and sisters, that would definitely happen to planet Earth and the whole of the universe. John says, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Now is in due course brothers and sisters now the dwelling of God is with men and he will live with them they will be his people and God himself will be with them and be their God and he will wipe away every tear from every tear from their eyes <clears throat> there will be no more death or coughing <clears throat> or mourning or crying or pain for the older things has passed away he who was seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. Then he said, write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. So we have the most amazing, invaluable promises and potentials to look forward to in the future. And also, brothers and sisters, we have the benefit, the wonderful power and help of it at the present time. If we have enough wisdom and humility and sense to accept the value of what God's called us into, how it can help us overcome the challenges of everything and make the best for us. So, finally, frankly, what we are about to remember this morning, I don't have any great interest, personally, in social media. But I am very interested in this social mediator. Because I think he will help us well, not, he will definitely help us, bring us through, and make us make the best of what we have got to offer. So thank you for listening. Appreciate. I actually appreciate the opportunity of having to give some thoughts, because it makes me focus and concentrate on the blessing and the beauty of them to help me and all of us make the best of what we got. May God be with us all, and may we also have the wisdom and the humility to make the best value of what we have.